Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. For those of you who are following along in your Bibles, we're on page 402. I'll give you the heads up. I'm going to jump to chapter 3 for a little bit as well, so I don't want to confuse you if you're looking to see where we're headed. Uh, But we are looking at the book of Nehemiah. We're wrapping up our four-week series on this rhythm of discipleship that is happening under Nehemiah's leadership. We have Nehemiah returning to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. The broken walls is about 2,500 years ago, and he's calling God's captive people to capture a vision. So Nehemiah's people, they they could have been really bitter about 70 years plus of captivity and not having a home and not feeling like uh, maybe God was present with them during their struggle. They could have been bitter about it. And here they are returning to a city that's kind of barely inhabitable. And that instead of being bitter about the lack of opportunity or all the ways that it's been so hard for them to move forward, they instead rallied around Nehemiah's leadership and focused up on worshiping God. They chose a strengthened inward in community. And then today, lastly, we're going to see how Nehemiah is leading them to look outward to bless, to look outward. Now, I'm going to share a quick story. It happened last week after the service. And... Uh, they, someone came, they were new to our church, and uh, they felt moved by the, the challenge to, to believe that God might want them to go deeper in community. And so I saw this person last week. Midweek, we have these wonderful opportunities here at our church with, with kids and youth and adult programs, and they just wanted to introduce themselves and said, hey, I'm, I'm new too. They just got here, and we just want to let you know, last week, I was sitting in uh, the service and hearing you talk about community felt convicted. We want to go deeper. I want to find that 4 a.m. friend, right, that I could call. I want to build a relationship here in this faith community of someone who I can go deep with. And just as she was getting ready to go, one of you stopped her and said, we're going to be friends. (laughs) Let's go on a walk. And because of your friendship, that person said, this is our family. This is our home now. We've made this our home. And I want to share that with you, not because this, it's not about the sermon. It's not even about our beautiful buildings or or programs that we have. It's you worshiping God, going deep in community, and then responding in service, responding to the Holy Spirit's prompt to say, yes, Lord, wherever you want to use me, I will step out in faith and reach out to someone. I will step out in faith and and serve someone in need. I will step out in faith and, and lean into this ministry that you have before us. So I just want to share with you that great, great story, because I want you to keep looking for opportunities to do all of those things. Worshiping God, strengthening inward in community, and don't forget, it always leads to looking outside yourself. God is always going to lead you. Once you experience his blessings, to reach out. Always, always, always. Now, when Nehemiah gathered the people of God here in chapter 7, I want to point you to another story in Nehemiah chapter 3. Because Nehemiah 7 is this wonderful, beautiful genealogy. So Pastor Luke and I, because we're Bible nerds, we read chapter 7, and we're going to do this for devotions all week. And we're going to go down to verse 8 and read about the sons of Parash and verse 46, the temple servants, the sons of Zihah. And Luke and I are going to be in wedded, like, Bible bliss, reading genealogies, okay? And if you flip back to Nehemiah 3, 
you on page 399, if you're following with our house Bibles, you're going to read another genealogy. And you're going to hear about all these sons and, and these daughters and these different families that gather together to get with the construction project of Nehemiah to rebuild the wall. Now, in chapter 3, what Nehemiah is doing, he's both, both forming a community, but don't forget, I want you to see, he's leading them towards ministry. So this rhythm of worshiping God, forming, inward strengthening, inward in community, always leads to ministry outside of ourselves. Some greater good that Nehemiah is calling them to this project to gather together, but for a greater good. Now, the community was called into service first with a construction project. And then as we flip back to chapter 7, what we have here, the wall is done. It says this in verse 1. Now, when the wall had been built, it's done. Okay, the construction project is done. But now what Nehemiah is leading them to is that a situation where they need to go a step further. Because you look at verse 4, the city was wide and large, but the people within it were few and no houses had been rebuilt. Nehemiah, they finished with this great work rallying together. They finished the construction project. And then Nehemiah says, oh, no, no, we're not done. Because basically Jerusalem was a ghost town. How many of you have ever visited like one of those ghost towns, okay, and you drive around? Like, it's really cool and creepy, right? It's empty. So you have these buildings that people should be living in. You see these, these places, these gathering spots, and no one's there but tourists. You can go to Europe right now and visit these most beautiful cathedrals in the world that largely sit empty on a Sunday morning. It's great that they rallied to build a building and a construction project, but Nehemiah always knew he was rallying people around something bigger than just a construction project. And so here we have Nehemiah's people who gathered and finished the project, and Nehemiah says, we're not done yet. We've done the wall, but now we have to fill the city. He's asking him to build up the city himself. Now, I mentioned Nehemiah chapter 3. Now, here we see this interesting rhythm of this upward towards God and then inward towards building community. It's a very unique community because as the Jews are coming together under Nehemiah's leadership to build a community, and now they're looking to do the work of ministry. If you take a look at chapter 3, and again, in your devotion times with me and Luke, you can join us, right, to read this other genealogy list. What you're going to see are two insights, at least two that I picked up on. You'll find more than me because you're smarter than me. As you look at chapter 3, here's two things I noticed. First of all, the people that came together for the building project, right, in chapter 3, which in chapter 7 they're done. But when they came together in chapter 3, it was work beyond their personal goals, they gathered together beyond their personal agendas. And what you'll see in chapter 3, if you read it, you'll see priests, goldsmiths, perfume makers, nobles. You have construction people, finance people, farmers, agriculturalists, jewelry makers, artists, all gathering together for a common purpose. So I want you to see that Nehemiah asked them to leverage their skills, to leverage their work, to leverage their, their resources for a common goal that surpassed their personal goals. Now, I'm going to pause for a second. I'm not saying your personal goals are bad at all. I hope you're so aligned with, with God, you're worshiping Him, you're building community, that your personal goals are, 
are so much about the kingdom of God. But I did want you to take a, a chance this week to pray a risky prayer. And the risky prayer is this, God, is there anything amongst my personal agenda and goals that you want me to submit to your greater goal? I'm not saying your personal goals and agendas aren't from the Lord. What I'm saying is, would you take that risk to pray this week? Lord, would you reveal to me and nudge to me if there's something among my personal goals and agenda that need to be underneath, underneath a greater goal that maybe I'm not aware of? Okay? Because how is God calling you to align your personal goals toward greater kingdom ministry goals? And the ministry might be your very work you do, Right? Again, we have artists here and, and farmers and financial people. What I'm asking you to do is to pray that risky prayer. Lord, reveal to me if there's some way that I can line my own personal agenda more around your agenda. I love the founder of, of World Vision, Bob Pierce, prayed this prayer. Lord, would you make my heart break for the things that break yours? I'm not saying your personal agendas are bad. I'm asking you to take a risk this week and to pray a risky prayer. God, would you reveal to me in ways my own personal goals? You might say, Pastor, I don't have any personal goals. Okay, well, show me your calendar, whatever you use. You might use a piece of paper, maybe use a phone. I, I can show you your goals and your agenda by your calendar easily. And or by the way you spend your money. Show me your, you know, how you spend your money. I know your personal goals and agenda just by looking at those things. So give that to God and say, Lord, here's how I spend my time. Here I spend my money. Here's how I, I spend my mind thinking about, is there anything that you want to impress upon me more deeply? Because Nehemiah led his people to worshiping God, yeah, forming that community, but it always led towards ministry, a greater goal beyond our personal agendas. And so you see priests, goldsmiths, perfume makers, nobles, everyone was involved with laying down their agendas as good as they are for the greater kingdom work. So how is God calling you to align your personal goals to a greater kingdom goal? I'll call it a ministry goal. Would you pray that risky prayer? Second thing I observed from Nehemiah 3, second thing, was that the work they did was amidst a beautiful diversity. And that this great community of builders in chapter 3 was actually very diverse, both men and women, first of all, which is very unique in ancient times. You had women and men building walls, protecting against invaders, amazing stuff right there. But also you'll notice various backgrounds socially and economically, very diverse. And isn't that what the church should look like? I love that picture because I love the scriptures that say in the Old Testament and the New Testament how at every, at every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. The New Testament says that Jesus is Lord. We see echoes of it from the Old Testament, clarity from the New Testament that one day everyone will bow at the name of Jesus. And then the picture we get from the New Testament that in this heavenly realm, whatever it looks like, this new world it's not just going to be like one nation or, or one height of people, amen, right? It'll be like super diverse. USC people, UCLA people, crazy, everyone coming together, right? All kind, Dodger fans, Giants fans, it doesn't matter. We're going to be there if K King Jesus is our king. 
In this beautiful diversity, we'll see there's not going to be in heaven, we're going to have like a Chinese section here and like the German section over there, right? And what language will we be speaking anyway? I always keep thinking we'll be speaking English in heaven, but it's like, well, why? It's not like the only language in the world. Who knows? We might have a new heavenly language or maybe somehow we just understand each other, right? It's going to be awesome. But in heaven, there's not going to be like different sections for nationalities, I don't think. It's not going to be like a Republican section there, a Democratic section here, and then like everyone else who's fed up over here. It's just going to be all of us. And because that's our heavenly reality, that, and guess what? We're going to be eternally together, that we get to choose right now to live into that diversity. Right now, I get to practice loving people who think differently than me. Who vote differently to me. Because in Christ, I'm going to lay down my personal agenda for the kingdom. And say, you know what? I'm going to love you even if I don't like your this or that. I'm going to listen to you. Especially as a brother and sister in Christ. Because it matters how we love each other in the community. So I want you to give you a hint that in Nehemiah 3, we see incredible diversity actually. Different social classes. Different villages, and back then, ancient times, it was a big deal to be from different villages and different tribes, different family lines. Hey, look, it's a glimpse of the kingdom to come, and we get to practice it here in our church. We get to practice it in our life with Christ, because God loves diversity, because every person is made in the image of God. Even people who are not yet followers of Jesus are still made in the image of God, and so God tasks us to love them as an image bearer of God, even if they don't follow Christ yet. It doesn't mean that they know the salvation that we know in Christ, but you don't know their heart yet, and maybe through your relationship as you love them as an image bearer of God, they will come to know the Jesus of love and hope and reconciliation through your friendship with them. Much more than you treating them like, like someone who, who, is, who is marred, like, oh, you're, you're this imperfect image of God. Like, no, God never says that. We're all made in the image of God, but oh, this invitation to get to know Jesus at the center of our lives. God might use you as you reach out to those who are not yet followers of Christ in that way. See, Nehemiah gives us this vision of this kingdom to come, I believe, this little bit of slice of heaven on earth. That they're building more. It's more than a construction project and more than even just filling the city up. It's not just about making a city flourish as well. It's this greater vision of human flourishing because God is at the center which gives a glimpse of the heavenly realities that are to come. The story goes that a man happened along three bricklayers, all busy at work. He asked the first bricklayer, what are you doing? He said, I'm laying bricks. He went to the second bricklayer. He says, what are you doing? He says, I'm putting up a wall. Then he went to the third bricklayer and said, what are you doing? He says, I'm building a great cathedral. And the thing that you see here is that L3, all of them were doing the same work, but only one understood the vision. I'm building something greater. And this vision is what keeps us focusing on God's better future over and above our own self-agendas. As good as your self-agendas and personal goals are, there's a greater vision and greater than the divisions and, and things that might keep us apart, barriers that might keep us apart ethnically or or way we vote or socioeconomics, that there is a kingdom to come that we get to live out now and start practicing now because of Christ in our lives. A couple of observations from Nehemiah 3, this vision of something greater, that we are building a glimpse of heaven on earth. We're not just playing church. We're not just singing songs. 
we are building, being part of God's mission to give a glimpse of this world to come on earth through the way that you love, through the way that you forgive, through the way that you serve those in need, through the way that you laugh, through, through your art, through your cooking, through your farm, giving a glimpse of heaven to come. But now, that's their greater vision. You're not just going to church. You're not just laying bricks. You're not just building a wall. You're not just building a program. You're not just starting a 501c3. You're, as Christians, Jesus' agenda is bigger than yours to build your 501c3, by the way, okay? And he's giving you a glimpse of what is to come so you can do it now that people might see God's goodness through what your work, that your personal agenda becomes God's agenda. Lord, break my heart for the things that break yours. And we can even pray a different prayer. Lord, the things, Lord, that bring you the greatest joy, may those be the things that bring me the greatest joy. And I'll tell you, part of it is seeing people experience his love. Oh, we don't want anyone to leave this place today doubting the love of God for you. You might say, well, Pastor Jim, I haven't taken Luke's class yet. Right? Guess what? You don't need to take the class to be loved by God. Well, Pastor Jim, I haven't even given any money yet. Well, guess what? Good news. You don't have to give any money to be loved by God. We don't want anyone to leave today without knowing that at the core of it, there's a God who is happy you just showed up today. A God who every one of your breaths, he knows that you are made in his image, that you would see that you're made in his image, and you would want to get to know that God. That you come even curious today. Oh, amen. We're so glad you're here. You're wondering about this Jesus. Great. Keep coming. Keep asking good questions. I probably don't know the answer, but Luke does, so I'll just ask him. Keep asking your questions. Keep wrestling with us, and we want to get to know you on that journey as well. I want to tell you one more thing, though, because I think as we look at Nehemiah, who's going to be teaching his people, he said it's not enough to just build a wall, and it's actually even not enough just to build, fill a city, okay? That we need a people focused on God, committed to community, loving one another, and then looking outward to serve, okay? So what we hear is this, though, because if you're a real smart Bible person, you'll flip, and you've gone ahead. You've read Nehemiah 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. You've gone to the end, and you're going to email me and say, Pastor Tim, he had all this talk about Nehemiah leading his people to love other people, but I've read it, and he got really mad at the Jewish people for intermarrying. He got really mad at them for, for uh, mixing faiths and, and going outside of their people. So what are you talking about, Pastor Tim? I said, you're right. Chapter 13, Nehemiah, actually, he probably went away for a while, and he came back as governor and realized the people who had committed themselves to following God strayed. They started intermarrying as they weren't supposed to by the, the law of Moses. They started mixing faiths. Their spirituality became watered down and weakened, and it, it risked the security, not only of their personal faith, it risked the security of the nation of Israel. So Nehemiah comes back and says, we got to stop this. We got to come back to the Lord. We got to center our lives on him. And so Nehemiah demands that the Jews stay spiritually pure and re reject this intermarriage with outsiders, which is watering down their faith. And you're right. That is what Nehemiah says. And, and we see that God is in that direction. But I want to also point out something that's maybe not overt in the passage. 
Because Nehemiah has inherited a group of people, the third group of exiles from Babylon, okay? These Babylonian exiles who came back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And I want you to remember that decades earlier, there was a prophet named Jeremiah. And the prophet Jeremiah, particularly in chapter 29, verse 7, commands the Jewish exiles in Babylon, he commands them from the Lord how to live in this strange city, how to live amongst enemies, how to live amongst strangers, people who don't share your faith. And what Jeremiah 29, 7 says is this from the Lord through Jeremiah to the Babylonian exiled Jews. God says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city in which you live. For if it prospers, this city, then you will prosper too. The city that God, Yahweh, asked the Jews to bless wasn't Jerusalem. It was Babylon. (laughs) Yahweh commanded his people to bless people who weren't even followers of God. For if the city Babylon prospers, then you will prosper. God says, I'm going to bless you if you will bless people on the outside. If you will be a light to them, I'm going to bless you. So God expects us to build things that will bless people outside of our church, people outside of our faith. It doesn't mean we have the same faith. I'm not telling you that your faith in Jesus is is exactly the same as someone else's faith. No, I'm saying because you're a faith in Jesus, you are confident to go out and bless and love other people because guess what? God is not at risk. God's still going to exist and and reign. Jesus is still coming back. As you choose to love people who aren't yet followers of Christ, people outside of the faith. And so I want you to keep in mind as we read Nehemiah and we see him kind of circling the wagons, right? Still the greater arc of the story, the Old Testament, of course, fulfilled in the New Testament through Jesus Christ is that God's people are always to be a light to those outside, are always to be a blessing to those not in the family of God yet. Isaiah chapters 40 through 55, here's another Bible assignment. You read that for devotions this next week. You're going to see this theme again and again and again, how Israel and God's people are to be a light to the world, a light to the Gentiles. So this isn't this kind of hunkering down and refusing to to be outside. I don't want you to hear Pastor Tim saying, yeah, worship God and then huddle in community and stay safe and don't talk to anyone outside. No, 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 no. Worshiping God and going deep in community will always lead you to ministry outside, will always lead you to, to going outside to share the love of God. And I believe Nehemiah himself, he would want these Babylonian exiles, these Jews who are building the wall, who are filling the city, to, they, he wants them to not forget that God still wanted them to look outward towards those who are not yet in the family. So I love the, the fact that our youth group is going down for this great Mexico trip building a home for a family in need. It's awesome. But you know what? The job isn't to go and convince people, right? You got to become a Christian, like Luke's there with the the builders, the staff, whatever, the kids, and hammering, and the family's there and saying, you know, we're not hitting this last nail unless you promise to come to church. You know, it's like, are you coming to church? And if you are, then, right? There's There's no agenda. They're going to simply love. They're going to build a great house, They're going to share God's love through their humility and their kindness and giving people respect. And we're praying for them that God's love might be known to a family, as far as we know, who doesn't know Christ yet. But it's not some trick, you know, like we're going to build a house and then make you come to church. No, we're just going to love. 
And amen if that family enjoys that house for years without ever stepping into a church. But maybe, maybe they'll think about, maybe they'll hear the gospel. Maybe they'll know the love and experience and remember the faces and the people who reach outside themselves and with kindness and humility, bless them, even learn from them, listen to them, shared, shared some bread. You see, they are building a bridge to Jesus. You get another opportunity as well. We have something coming in later in October called Love Our Central Coast. You get to build a bridge to Jesus, right? Through acts of, of kindness, uh, through serving in, in our community, maybe people will get a glimpse of God's goodness, this heaven on earth until he comes again. I'm going to share a story. Uh, Clarence Jordan was an educated white clergyman and a farmer in the 1940s. So imagine this. He found out something called the Koinonia Farm in Georgia. It was a community for poor whites and poor blacks as a deliberate counter-narrative to the racist South. Okay, so imagine 1940s, racist South, white clergymen, okay, and his idea to join blacks and whites together did not go over well in the 1940s deep south. So much so that the town boycotted his products. They apparently slashed the workers' tires and did everything they could for 14 years to get rid of Clarence, Jordan, and the Koinia farm. Finally, 1954, it's reported the Ku Klux Klan had enough, so they set fire to the farm. They shot up Clarence's home with bullets, and they chased off all the families except for one black family that refused to leave, this brave family. So Clarence recognized the voices of the Klansmen, because listen to this, some of them went to church with him. And so one Klansman, who was a local newspaper reporter, came the next day to see what happened to the farm. And he found Clarence there in the field. He was hoeing and planting. I heard the awful news, he chided Clarence, and it came out to do a story on the tragedy of your farm closing. So keep in mind, this is fellow churchman, clansman, reporter, pretending to care, right? Clarence just kept on hoeing and planting. The reporter kept harassing him, but instead of packing up, Clarence kept planting. Finally, the reporter said in an arrogant voice, well, Dr. Jordan, you got two of them PhDs, you got 14 years into this farm, and there's nothing left of it all. Just how successful do you think you've been? And Clarence stopped at that moment, turned to the reporter and said, about as successful as the cross. Sir, I don't think you understand us. What we are about is not success, but faithfulness. Clarence and his companions in the deep south battling racism because of the cross. He not only rebuilt the Koinonia farm after this fire from the Klansmen, but it's still going strong today. You can visit it. And the farm directly resulted in at least one global humanitarian initiative called Habitat for Humanity. So God is calling us, Clarence remind us, not to be successful, church, be faithful. Keep planting seeds. Keep speaking truth. Keep fighting against the wrongs we see in this world. Keep making your art. Keep growing beautiful food. Keep, keep doing your work in the financial industry, but lay down your agenda to simply better your life 
And would you allow Jesus to give you a new agenda, to use all of that goodness and beauty, resources, expertise, your experience, the things that you love, you're passionate about. You say, Jesus, I want to be about the things that break your heart. I want want to be about spending time on this planet Earth to invest in things that will bring the greatest joy on this planet. I want to come together in this time as a community, worshiping you, going deep in community amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. We need that. But that always leads to the outside, always. Great worship, great community should always lead us outward to serve, outward to bless, outward to do justice, outward to stand with the weak and the lonely, outward to break down barriers that divide us. Great worship and great community always lead us to serve. But will we be faithful? See, the Jews returned to their beloved city in Israel to find it in ruins. And so Nehemiah gave them a vision of not just building a wall and not just filling a city, but to build a city that would live up to its name. And what is the name of that city they came to build? Jerusalem. A city of peace, a city of blessing, a city that might point people to God's goodness, a little slice of heaven on earth. And that's what we get to do here in this faith community as well. That we be the kind of community that loves God so much and loves each other so much that our neighbors would look at us and say, we would miss you if you ever left. That we would love God so much and love each other so much that would lead us to loving people on the, on the outside, some of our neighbors in our community. That we would be looking outside to be a blessing, to be this light, right, to the Gentiles. Guess what? I'm one of them. Most of you are one of them too. We've been recipients of this love of God to us outsiders, that we are uh, beggars who have found bread, just inviting other people who are hungry for bread to say, look, we found this person, Jesus, and he's changed my life. I'm not perfect. I don't know all the answers. I'm just a witness to the reality of God coming into my life. Let me, let me spend some time with you. Let me learn about your life, and you tell me. Tell me what's bringing you joy. We want to share this incredible life of Jesus. That this city of peace and blessing, this Jerusalem, that, that these people weren't just stacking stones. They're not just doing a building project. They had a vision to make something special that would honor God and flourish lives here on earth. Nehemiah 7, when you take a look at that, this week, you'll see it teaches us that when God gives us a task to complete, God's going to say, and there's more. See, most of those builders were like, okay, I did the work, took my time off, done with the project, Nehemiah. And Nehemiah's like, you're just getting started because it's more than a construction project. It's a spiritual renewal that will bless people, yes, even on the outside. You're just getting started as you join God in his mission. See, God sends us outside of our comfort zones, out of our social circles, to invite people to join them on our mission, God's mission that we get to be a part of. Because spirit-filled community always leads to ministry, always leads to serving, always leads to loving. I wonder if our neighbors would ever say, man, I've seen those people at CPC, the way they love God. Oh, man, I see the way that they love each other. I hope they did say, too, And I've experienced the way they've loved me. And because of that, I'm curious to get to know this Jesus that you claim to know. 
I hope that would be your prayer. We're going to take some time in the next moments. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to worship the Lord. And I'm actually going to invite the prayer team up now. Because during the next couple of songs, you might want to come forward for prayer. You don't have to. You're not more spiritual but coming forward for prayer. But we just want to let you know, it's not strange to get prayer. So as our prayer team comes forward, you might say, Pastor Tim, I want to worship God more deeply. I want prayer for that. You might be someone here who has maybe never said yes to Jesus before. You came today, you were curious, or, or maybe someone dragged you here. You, you thought today we're serving tacos and we're not, and you're bummed out, but maybe Lord touched your heart right now. You just want to, maybe you're saying, I want to get to know this Jesus more. Come forward. We'd love to pray for you. Or maybe you're someone still saying, Pastor Tim, I don't have that 4 a.m. friend that I could call. I want to go deeper in community with someone here. Come forward. We want to pray for you that God would make that happen. Or maybe you're saying, Tim, I have all these ideas and agendas or plans, and you know what? I, I want to lay them all down at the feet of Jesus. We'd love to pray for you. We just want to let you know it's an opportunity. You don't have to do it. But as we sing these songs, don't be surprised if you see a couple people come forward getting prayed for. May this be part of our rhythm of worshiping God, a part of even building community, and maybe even for some of us, recommitting to look outside ourselves, to break down some barrier. Maybe even the Lord's prompting you just to forgive someone. To forgive someone. That's a barrier that God wants you to break down today. Stop carrying that bitterness. A ministry of reconciliation is what Jesus is all about. And if you aren't reconciling with people in your lives, how, how, can, you, how can you serve the Lord? The Lord wants you to reconcile with people and to bring healing. Because he has a plan to use you for a greater purpose than just a construction project, even more than building, filling up a city to be part of this kingdom plan. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that we get to be before your word. Lord, I pray that something, Lord, that maybe was said today, that you, Holy Spirit, were prompting a, a word, a phrase, a thought, a story, something that you want each of us to follow up with you on. Maybe it's a risky prayer saying, Lord, may my personal agendas reflect what you want in my life. Or maybe it's a barrier that you want us to try to cross because of you, Jesus, in our lives, that we are willing to step outside of ourselves and to be a blessing to someone else. Maybe, Lord, it is that challenge to forgive someone, to reconcile, Lord, to, for us to experience the love of God in, in such a way that we'd realize that we've been holding on to bitterness and that's no place for a follower of Jesus to hold on. So, Lord, give us the courage, Lord, even now, to let go of things that aren't of you, agendas that aren't of you, bitterness that's not of you, self-hatred that is not of you. Lord, give us the courage to see you, Jesus, big enough and strong enough to take all of us as we are right now. So, Lord, we worship you with our voices, with our hands, Lord, with our hearts, with our whole selves. We worship you, Lord. Draw us together as a community. Send us out to serve, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.